What's going on, guys? This is Ahmed, and I'm here today with episode four of the Your Pursuit of Purpose podcast. And I actually have an amazing young guy that I'll be interviewing today, and he goes by Ahmed Ismail. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's actually a mechanical engineering student from the Iowa State University. He recently was selected as a McNair Scholar, which he will be at, uh, enrolling in this coming fall semester, correct? That's correct. All right. And the McNair program is actually a United States Department of Education initiative um, with a goal of increasing attainment of PhDs by students from underrepresented segments of society. He just returned from a study abroad, which he completed in the United Kingdom. Yep, Birmingham, England. Birmingham, England. And do you have the accent yet? Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> it's from, from the UK, and then he actually just completed his co-op at GE Aviation Sector. That's correct. I was right. working uh, military propulsion and power engineering. Wow, that's that's above me. So, <laughs> shout out to Ahmed. And so today we're actually just gonna start off by just diving down and going back to your childhood and when you first immigrated to the United States, which was two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. It's been a while. Yeah, and Ahmed, when he first got here, he came with no English whatsoever. That's correct. With maybe just a couple words, he was telling me a while back. I just pretty much knew hi, hello, and. It's funny, it was because actually when I first moved here in 03, Ahmed was one of the first people I actually met. We moved into the same neighborhood, uh, Pheasant Ridge. Yeah. And it's really funny because when we first moved here, it wasn't actually like a, a legit move. It was more of we told the U.S. like, hey, we're coming on a visit. We want to watch our niece graduate. And the funny part is, it's just my mom came with all the check bags, like, whole life packed up and yeah. as we're coming through TSA we're just saying we're visiting but it's kind of funny just because we had everything with us and just like no one kind of suspected it yeah. and it's hilarious just because literally within three weeks of being in the U.S. my mom had me enrolled in school and this was just off a visit a 30-day visit where our visa was expiring and everything like that yeah. it was a life-changing moment but yeah. and so can you kind of just tell them about some of the challenges after you immigrated here you and your mom by yourselves you left your dad back home so can you kind of just tell us, that must, that's a difficult situation to deal with, so. So me personally, it wasn't too bad just because for me it was just, the problem was not knowing English as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> just, but I had people like Ahmed who spoke Arabic with me, so that kind of made it easier. But I'd say uh, it's really tough for parents when you're moving to the U.S. just because you kind of, you hit the restart button, not just on your social life, but your career as well. So for my mom, she was uh, actually an electrical engineer before we moved to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So she actually even had her own company. And prior to doing all this, she was even working at IBM as well as the U.S. Embassy and French Embassy in Sudan. But wow. pretty much hit the whole restart button and just in hopes of, hey, maybe I'll get the engineering job when I move to the U.S. as well, moved. And unfortunately, just due to the fact that she was an assistant at the time, she wasn't able to find employment as an engineer. Right. So went from being an electrical engineer just to uh, working at the daycare, actually at the neighborhood center. So she was just a daycare assistant. And at first it was just a volunteering position. So she just volunteered there. After uh, work, pretty much come home, take care of me. And it wasn't until like three months in that she actually had a paid salary. Hmm. And fortunately, the good part about subsidized housing is it's only a third of your paycheck, but if you're not getting paid, it's, it's just free living. <laughs> right. And some people, I know there's like this, I don't know, there's a stigma about low-income housing and things like that, but if you're in a similar situation as Ahmed was once upon a time, where you come here to a new country or you're just 
moving into a new place that you have no resources, nobody to really give you a helping hand. Something like this is not only an opportunity, but it's the only way to kind of live. Right? Yeah, it really is. Like, uh, for example, with resources, one of the things I had to do with clothes, I we didn't really have much money at the time just due to the fact that mom wasn't making that much. Most of the money that we had was pretty much either to the bills or putting food on the table, things like that. So for clothes, I was very fortunate to have people in my life that are very close to me, such as my friend Jamal Sonata. And at the time, he was pretty much first person I like really latched onto, just because yeah. me and him just like played video games together all the time. I was just like, we're game heads. <laughs> That's just how me and him just kind of clicked right away. But mm. one of the things that you really helped me with was just kind of, uh, it'd be like once every couple months, Jamal would just come through and he'd have this big trash bag with him. Random thing, but like it put the sm biggest smile on my face just because he always brought clothes for me. So at the time, it was one of those resources I actually had. So like, just once a year he'd come through with a trash bag and just be that'd be my source of clothes, just because wow. mom couldn't actually buy me clothes at the time. Wow, man, that's tough. But I mean, now you got you got the swag now. So <laughs> shout out to CJ Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it it is difficult. Like the situation that you'd be put in, and you just gotta you gotta you gotta take what you can get. Right? That's at true. that point you weren't you work with what you got right exactly and that's that shows you like you kind of it's you get you tend to mature at an earlier age if you're put into these kind of situations so you kind of have to say like maybe you wouldn't be as snobby as maybe another child that'd be like no mom i want this i want this or no dad i want this be like okay i'll take what i can get yeah right which is great and in terms of just school ahmed at iowa state so you're studying mechanical engineering yeah uh studying mechanical engineering but it wasn't always like I came in knowing I went to do mechanical engineering. Okay. So actually, I literally graduated a month after turning 17, and hardest part for me was knowing what I wanted to do. Like I know if you watched uh, what dude, he had that passion for the automobile industry, and like found his Tesla, and had a passion for politics. For me, at a young age, I I really didn't know what I wanted. So like I came in at 17, I was actually undeclared my first year. Second year went to electrical engineering. Did not like that. How come? Honestly, for me, uh, I really feel like I thrive when working with groups. Right. And one of the things that I saw as electrical engineers more of like, hey, here's your work. Go take this. Go into your little corner. Program. Come back. Give us the answer. I didn't really enjoy that just because it didn't give me much opportunity to interact with others. And I felt kind of isolated as well as it was also a mixture of my first year at Iowa State just because I felt like uh, I experienced what's known as imposter syndrome. Hmm. I really didn't feel like uh, I fit in, and I, at first I kind of thought I was like, oh, maybe I just didn't like my major, but that's kind of one of the things I dealt with, and it, it kind of pushed me away from electrical engineering, but I'm glad that I actually ended up switching and going mechanical, because I actually love it. Right, and actually just one second, going back to this whole imposter, because that's something I've heard of before, imposter mm -hmm. syndrome, and it happens quite often to like minorities, people yeah. who feel like I'm somewhere that I don't belong, or I'm somewhere that I don't deserve to be, just because of the fact that everyone around them doesn't look like them. Yeah, right. like, it wasn't even, I actually experienced it way before college, because for me, uh, growing up in Sudan, I had never actually seen a white person in my life. Like, the first time I actually saw a white person was when we were flying from Sudan to the U.S. We had a, I never forget it, it was a connection in Frankfurt, Germany, and I walk out the airport, <laughs> literally just walk out, and I'm just seeing all these people, and as a child, I'm fascinated. Like, I'm like... <laughs> You guys are real? Like, yeah. <laughs> I've only seen you on TV. Like, what? Right. Thought you were only in the movies. And yeah. Then get to the U.S. and I'm just like, 
whoa, you're, like, you're everywhere. Right. And then it was to the point where after a while, I was just like, maybe I'm the odd one out. And like I go into elementary school, I find, kind of felt like outcast just due to the fact that I didn't know English at the time, as well as I was the only one that kind of looked like me. Mm-hmm. So that was something I experienced through school. And then as I got to college, it was just kind of testified a little bit more just due to the fact that I didn't have that support system. So I didn't have like everyone I grew up with, the Pheasant Ridgeville, such as you, such as your brother Hessen and with mm-hmm. you and all them. Right, right. For sure. No, and um, just... Uh, just going back to like that because this imposter syndrome this thing is like it's an it's an ongoing issue in like in society for, especially for first generation students in college yeah. so like how did you how did you I guess navigate across it or make sure like or tell yourself inside like okay I might look different or I might be coming from a different background or whatever it might, might have been or like maybe coming in feeling like I don't feel comfortable with my own knowledge base or my own skills or Whatever it might have been, whatever reason that was slowing you down, saying like, hey, I don't belong here, how'd you overcome that specifically? That's a good question. At first, yeah. I looked at it more of as a, a lack of like, a lack of confidence or just like, I just thought of myself as a shy person, but yeah. I think it was later on in college, I kinda, it was, I came, it was more of like, I became uh, conscious of the fact that, conscious of the fact that, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable, and I was like, why don't I feel comfortable? Like. I'm capable of learning just as any human being is like when I pr- don't perform well in school like at first in high school because I didn't have good grades I was just like oh maybe it's not for me now I realize I'm like wait I can pick up a book I can read like All right. the only reason I didn't perform good on my exam was like maybe if I just put more time to studying and like less time you know going out playing basketball things like that I do better on my exams and like I became conscious of that and it completely changed everything especially my grades and mm-hmm. it's part of the reason I'm kind of had the confidence to even pursue a PhD. Right, and this whole McNair program, because now that you you're in a place where you were able to get inducted or selected for this scholar, it's a scholarship, or it's a scholar uh, program. It's the it's a program, so right. it's a graduate prep program that kind of pretty much guides you and provides you with the network necessary to successfully attain your PhD. Okay, and it's and I'm guessing it's pretty selective, right? They don't just let anyone. Uh, it's yeah, it's pretty selective. <laughs> so it's a rigorous <laughs> process. To yeah, get into. It's, it's a nerve-wracking interview, but. Yeah, I did that. It was one of those things I got selected into. That's awesome. So, did you always know you wanted to pursue a PhD? Because you went from high school where you didn't have the best grades and you didn't really no. like school. So, not even now. I'm not <laughs> He's even already like, saying no. Yeah. So, <laughs> even that last question is like, do I like school? Like, at high school, I definitely don't like it. Even in college, even though I started performing better, right? I think till this day, I don't really enjoy school as much. I love learning. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I think school is not. It's not the best environment for learning. So, if you look at pretty much everything in this world, like you look at cars, you look at healthcare, you look at just pretty, whatever it is you look back at. If you go back 150 years, it did not look the same as today, mm-hmm. right? If you look at a classroom and the way we teach, it's almost the exact same. And you have things like Khan Academy, which are kind of like changing it, but the change is so slow, and it just doesn't make sense to me that you can throw in a hundred people into one lecture, right? Have them just watch this big lecture and be like, all right, now regurgitate all that on a piece of paper. Mm. You can't expect everyone to conform to one style of learning when everyone at the end of the day is their own individual and has their own style of learning. Right. That's the main reason I don't like school as much, but I think the reason I recommend people stay in school is just, it's a guaranteed formula. Like, it's proven. You go to school, get your degree, 
off that, you go off, do what you want to do. Right. If you don't go to school, it's just there's no formula, there's no set structure. Right. You don't really know how you're gonna make it. I'm not saying you can't make it, you definitely can, but it's harder. It's yeah. not guaranteed. Right, right, no, for sure. And then with the whole pursuing a PhD thing is that during the course of a PhD, you're doing your own research. You're not confined to that, going to a classroom, watching a lecture with 100 other people, you're doing your own project. That, that's, yeah, it's very exciting and at the same time very scary. Because yeah. with a PhD, it's like, the way uh, Brian Hall, he's uh, someone with a PhD, the way he explained it to me was, if you could put all the world's knowledge into just like one circle, getting your PhD is equivalent to pretty much popping that bubble and kind of expanding the circle of knowledge so it's like you're saying you, you can't really if you have a question you can't really google anything you can't go ask somewhere or go read a research paper right. right you can use it for the foundation but at the end of the day if you have questions you do an experiment after you do that experiment you get a data point with that data point you determine what the answer is maybe right. it makes sense maybe it doesn't but right. it's useful at the end of the day maybe you just need more data points you never know you and that's another scary part you could be doing it for six years and have all this data and just be like, I don't know if this makes sense. <laughs> Maybe you just weren't asking yourself the right questions, but yeah, you'll it's scary. You'll have to know when to abandon ship. That's what they call it. And you just gotta say, okay, yeah, time to go back to the drawing board. No, for sure. And then do you know what you wanna do your PhD in as of right now? Cause I know it's early on. You still have a couple years left in your undergrad studies, but you kinda know what you're passionate about in terms of research and learning. Uh, I have general interest, but I wouldn't call anything a passion. And that's uh, one of the things I'm still trying to figure out till this day. But one thing that really helped me is, uh, it's like I was saying, asking the right questions. Because everyone asked you when you're like, oh, what are you passionate about? What do you like? Mm -hmm. And those were questions I always got. And I was just like, it was nerve wracking. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the answer. Right. And that same person, Brian Hall, one day he asked me, he was like, maybe it's not what, about what you do like. Ask yourself, wh what do you hate? Like, what what's something that really makes you mad? Like something that would make you get up in the morning and work hard. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the answer at the time, but today I do. And for me, I was thinking about my past experiences in Sudan, like what makes me mad? And it was the things I saw in Sudan. The fact that, you know, half the world lives on a dollar a day or there's enough food in the world to feed every single human being, but people still starve. Things like that or the education system, the way it's currently set up, things like that, you know? <laughs> you really got strong words to say about that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I definitely got you. And just going back to everything, so just you navigating your way across your undergraduate studies and whatnot, what's, what are some things that you can tell people, even though you're someone who doesn't believe, like you don't believe the education system is how it should be. There should be, it should be more, it should have changed more it should have been more progressive basically yeah. but what would you say for people who are right now in the classroom and like you and I that are getting their attempting to get their degrees in whatever whatever study or whatever course of study they might be going through what can you tell them to like what are some tips maybe you can give people that have to or that don't like the style of learning that's given to them but they still have to utilize it I mean you said earlier you gotta you play the cards you've been dealt and uh some what dude says all the time and like till this day I always say you gotta do what you gotta do in order to get what you gotta get and uh -huh. something we always say <laughs> but sure you don't like something but guess what it's set up it's a system that's proven to work yeah. and it's what you have so use it to your advantage use your resources and when you don't have the resources ask yourself how do I get those resources it's a matter of being resourceful 
Right. I think that's the number one tip I give to, to everyone. Just try to be resourceful, because you're not gonna have everything. Right. Utilize your resources, because they're out there. The resources definitely are out definitely there. out there. And if they're not out there, ask people like, hey, I don't have this resource, but I see that you were able to attain that resource. You know, like, how did you get to that? Mm-hmm. Ask right. for advice, number one thing. That's exactly. really something that's always helped me. For sure. Be a learner. Oh, be a learner. And going, uh, just talking about learning, you just keep hitting these things and it kind of just changes the question that I was going to ask you. No, it's good. But in terms of just learning, when you went out and did your study abroad, how was Mm -hmm. that being in the UK? Was that your first time? Other than maybe connecting airlines or whatever? It wasn't my first. I've traveled uh, a decent amount, but I'd say it's the first time uh, I left my community. So like, although I've traveled, I've always traveled, you know, like with close friends, but it was the first time like I was out that comfort zone. It was the first time I was integrated with in a community outside of my own so like outside the Sunni's community for me different environment and study abroad is one of those things where it's uh the majority of the learning you have is it's mostly outside the classroom and it sounds weird to say but you just become more conscious of yourself the actions you take so like one of the things uh for me was uh I've always had to understand that, you know, people live just as a complex life as you do, but after going there, it's just something you're more conscious of. That's mm-hmm. one of the things. Two, you have a better understanding of your likes and dislikes, and if you're someone trying to find your pursuit of purpose, I think that's something that you definitely need to figure out. You need to know what you like and what you don't like. Something that simple is going to help you find your purpose. And I think that's why I'm a big advocate for study abroad. On top of that, Outside of learning, it makes you more marketable for internships as well as graduate schools. It's just a win-win, and who doesn't want to go to a new country? Like what? Right. And That's once you're in Europe, like you can go to country to country for really cheap. So, yeah. quick example: I went to Spain for thirty euros there and back. Dang! Wow. <laughs> That's what's up. All right, and Ahmed, again, thank you so much for joining us today on the Your Pursuit of Purpose podcast. And just one thing that. I like doing is just uh, for you to give giving you an opportunity to give one last thing to the audience to pursue their own purpose anything you can think of that's hard uh, <laughs> ask yourself the right questions at the end of the day uh, no one can give you a dream like no one can sell you dreams like people will try to sell you dreams but at the end of the day you know yourself better than anyone you have the answers so just be persistent with yourself and try to ask those questions. Like sometimes, like you know, asking yourself, "Oh, what do I like? What do I hate?" You're not gonna know it right off the bat, but be persistent. Just be persistent with those things, and if you're consistent, you'll get to it. You say it all the time: consistency is key. Consistency is key, and knowledge is power. Exactly. I live by that every day. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, for sure. And I hope to see you next time on episode five on the Proceed of Purpose podcast. And until then, keep pursuing your purpose. <laughs>